Oh. <laughs> well, if we're, if we're doing math, I'll just... Just leave the calculator <laughs> app in the open in the future yeah. because we can't do these things anymore. Hello and welcome to Model View Conversation, America's premier tech education podcast. My name is Ben Golke. And I'm Brian Gates. Please be sure to check out our website at mvc.fm for an archive of our shows where you can listen right on the page, access the show notes, and find out how to subscribe. We'd also love to hear your feedback, which you can provide by rating and reviewing us on iTunes or tweeting us at MVC Podcast. Today is the, I think, the last portion of this series that we've been doing about getting a job, your first or maybe second um, developer job as a junior. Uh, or really, I expose anybody, um, but we're kind of focusing it on you know the, your first experience in this in this world because it can be quite different from um, what you might be used to if you're coming from another industry. Um, and today's topic is all about negotiating when maybe you feel like you don't have very much leverage if you're a junior, you're coming in, maybe it's the first time you've ever done this before, um, and maybe you're not super confident about your your skill set and stuff. So that can kind of all add to your um, your frustration and and your um, feeling overwhelmed by the whole thing. So we're hopefully going to give you some t- some tips on how to uh, make that a little better and negotiate uh, a fair salary. A fair salary and fair everything, right? Because I guess we can start there with the idea that when you're negotiating to take a job, you're not just negotiating about a dollar amount for your salary. You're negotiating about what are the conditions under which I will work for you. And that can be anything from how much vacation do I get to can I work from home or work from home part of the week? Can I um, have some kind of budget or time allowance for going to conferences or doing training? Um, can I bring my dog into the office? Anything you want to ask for that's going to make your job better, this is the time to ask. Yeah, I think it's really important to understand that everything is negotiable, right? It's not just a matter of the dollar amount, which I think a lot of people kind of think, oh, well, that's the part that I have maybe some leeway on. And then everything else is just sort of whatever they give me is what I get, right? But that's really not true. You have the ability, in particular, in this portion of the interview process where you get to ask for things um, and see what happens. Uh, it's not just a matter of the dollars. It's also, like he's, like Brian said, everything else is is potentially on the table. In fact, Really, everything is negotiable, not just for um, for these kind of job offers. I've, I've been trying to play around with this a little bit. Like I was at the supermarket a week or two ago, and there was an item that the barcode wasn't scanning. And so the uh, cashier was about to call for help or do whatever it is they do. And I just said, I'll give you a buck and a half for it. And she said, oh, okay. And just typed in a dollar fifty that was easier for her and it seemed like a fair price and we went on i have no idea what it was listed for on the shelf but i got mine for a buck and a half and then she was fired <laughs> no i why would she be right why would anyone care that much and yeah I, it's something that i i try to just kind of push at the margins a little bit just to remind myself that we're not dealing with physical law here right it's not like water's boiling temperature is 212 degrees and there's nothing I can do about that. But the price of a bunch of bananas, well, there's actually some wiggle room. It's listed for some number, but I can get it for some other number if I just ask, right? Yeah, I definitely think, at least in the, I I don't know if, I think this maybe is less true in other countries because this sort of idea of haggling is something that I've heard can be common in other parts of the world. But in the U.S. anyway, a lot of the stuff that we do is pretty 
fixed, right? You go to the convenience store, you buy a, a bottle of soda, it says $2 on it. It's like, well, it's $2. I have to pay $2. Um, whereas, you know, there's a couple places in, in American life where typically we negotiate things like buying a house or maybe buying a car. Um, but for the most part, we're not doing that on a day-to-day basis. So I think we probably don't have a ton of experience or practice at doing it. Um, and I think that can even, you know, that can add on to this idea when you're trying to get a job, you just, you feel so unprepared for this portion of the negotiation process where you're like, I've not done this very much. I don't know what to ask for. I don't feel confident in my own, maybe my own skills because I'm new at this. Um, and that can kind of all just pile on and make you feel like, well, whatever they offer me, I'll just take, right? Because I, I don't, I don't know any better and I don't, I don't want to feel, I want to seem like I'm being greedy, um, by asking for more than maybe is deserved. But, um, everything is negotiable the whole, the whole and if you don't get maybe you don't get the mo- the money that you want this is an opportunity for you to um you know ask for something else maybe make up for that that you that you haven't gotten quite the the amount that you were expecting right if you you come in with a number they'll probably ask you for a number and by the way it's best if you can get a number out of them first but they'll they'll want a number for you and eventually you'll say here's my desired salary figure and uh, if one, if they say, okay, sure, that means your number was too low. Right. But if, if they come back. Yeah, and, they shouldn't be happy about it. They if they're happy not about be it. Happy. You don't want to make them really happy about the amount you've agreed to work for. But if they come back and say, uh, we were actually thinking this other number, which is a fraction of that number, that's okay. You want them to not be overjoyed. But then in order to close that gap, uh, One thing you can do is bring your number down a little bit. Another thing you can do is say, well, besides bringing my number down a little bit as compensation in another form, I would like to work from home two days a week, although you didn't mention anything about a remote option, or I would like to do whatever it is you want to do. I want money for conferences or I want, you know, yeah, there's other ways that you can kind of work in compensation that isn't, I want an extra week of vacation right? Or whatever, right? A way a way to basically bring in some monetary value to you mm-hmm. that isn't just dollars in your paycheck. Right. Some value to you that makes you feel better about the job and so that you're getting more out of it without the employer having to write the larger check and feeling like it's costing them more. Something else that I think is really helpful too is to, is to when you're thinking about maybe maybe you've got a little further and you actually have been given kind of an offer where you're like this is what we're going to offer you as an employee uh, you know this is the salary and whatever um, is that you can basically take all of that stuff and break it down down into dollars um, because the other thing that they they try and do is that they try to sort of hide things by by making it all an apples to oranges comparison right like this amount of money plus this amount of vacation plus this and this and other stuff and it kind of feel it can feel kind of oh i think this maybe is a good deal but i can't really tell um and one way to really kind of make it stark in your mind is to just say well how much vacation are they giving me okay it's two weeks a year and it's assigned at the beginning of the year or it's doled out in whatever pieces or whatever it is Um, just take the amount of salary that they were going to pay you and figure out how much money that two week, let's say, of vacation is worth in dollars. The, you know, the money that they're going to pay out to you um, in lieu of you going in because you're going to be taking a day off. And then that way you can say, okay, well, this two weeks for the vacation is worth you know this much money, 
And then you can just tack that on to the salary amount. And then you can take, okay, well, they're going to offer me health insurance. Let me just sort of ballpark that. Like how much do I think that's going to cost them roughly? This, these, this information is all generally pretty public. Um, you can find out uh, not usually like the exact dollar amount they're paying, but you can go do a rough estimate of like you as a person, how much do I cost to insure? Um, and you can basically figure out more or less how much they're paying for that. Um, and then again, you just tack that onto the value that they're giving you and whatever other perks they're giving you, just convert them to dollars, tack them on. And then suddenly you've got this, what's called total compensation package number that you can say, okay, this is how much apparently the company thinks I'm worth, right? And you can, you can judge that against, well, how much do I think I'm worth? How much is this, how much is this, is this job worth? How much, uh, are people of comparable skill, for this kind of job getting in my area, right? You can start doing all that kind of thing to sort of compare and contrast what they're offering you with what you think this position is actually should be valued at. And if those numbers are more or less in alignment, then great. And if they're like vastly out of alignment, then you go, okay, well, then something is wrong here. Right. Yeah. And those numbers, when you're calculating what the benefits are worth, I would tend to say it's probably a better idea, although it's fuzzier to say, what are these benefits worth to me? You know, not so much uh, if if I'm getting paid at $25 an hour and they're offering two weeks of vacation, then that is, I don't know, math, what, 80 times 25 would be. How much, Ben? Quick, quick, quick. Come on. $2,000. $2,000, as I was about to say. And you might then say, well, three weeks of vacation then ought to be worth Quick, quick, quick! How much? Three grand. So another another thousand bucks. That makes sense. Three grand. How about that? So two weeks is two thousand dollars. It turns out three yeah. weeks is three thousand dollars. Never would have guessed. Uh, never. But maybe for you, maybe the extra week would give you the uh, the opportunity to go on some grand trip that you could never have imagined before, and so its value to you is more like five thousand dollars. Or maybe if you had that extra time, you would just end up sitting on your couch anyway. And so the marginal value to you is just um, a couple hundred bucks. So it's it's important to say not just what is the dollar value if I were to go out and say purchase this myself, but what is it really worth to me? Because some places will give what sound like really grand ex exorbitant benefits. You know, we we have a high tech gym facility on site. Right, well, sleep pods. Right. If you want to work remote, then that is not worth a lot to you. If you already have a gym that you go to that you love, then their thing is not worth that much to you. Yeah, I think it's really important to uh, to understand what the offer is kind of at a pure basic level. How much is this worth, right, As a just yeah. as, a, just as a, a dollar amount? Because that way it gives you a... Um, uh, a first impression of am I kind of getting screwed here, right? Like, is this is this a yes. good deal or a bad deal, right? Just sort of on pure terms, and then once you figure that out, if it is generally a good deal, then I think it's really important to do that second step that Brian just mentioned, which is how much is this worth to me, right? Because twenty five dollars an hour and two weeks of vacation might work for you, or you might decide, you know, the the daily salary amount is. Um, is I'm willing to trade a little bit of that to get more vacation, or I or no I I'm all about the money. I don't even want any vacation. Just put it all, just dump it all on my salary. I just want cash in my pocket. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. Or you know, health insurance or other things like that are really really important to me because I have a family. Or um, 
you know, other kinds of parks like that gym thing, you know, maybe they have a gym on site or maybe they, maybe they do a thing where they compensate you for a gym membership. I've actually seen that as a, as a employee oh, yeah, park I've heard of that. Um, where they'll basically pay for your gym membership to go to, you know, some local gym that's near your house uh, as a, as a way to kind of promote wellness in general. Um, so there's all these different ways that they are going to compensate you. And some of them are going to work for you as a person and some of them are not. Um, and so after you kind of figure out, is this a good deal? sort of at all um is this a good deal for me and if you decide that it's a good deal generally but maybe that the specifics aren't quite tweaked to the way that would work best for you this is an opportunity to renegotiate that and say you know i like this deal it's a good deal but i would like to maybe like i said maybe trade a little bit of salary maybe i i lower the hourly rate slightly and then you ex we exchange it for an extra week of vacation or something um and and the thing is, you can offer, and the worst they can do is say no, right? There's this this process is don't think of it as this scary thing where some overlord is like handing you a, a pittance, and you're just like thank you, and you're just taking it, right? This is an opportunity for you to negotiate. You are basically you are exchanging your knowledge, your skills, um, your time for money, right? That's what's happening here. It's 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 really no more complicated than that. Um, and I think a lot of people kind of get wrapped up in a lot of the connotations of a job and an employer and a boss and, and that it's, and that you feel very disempowered, right? You don't feel like you have agency over yourself and your own situation. And I think, um, there are probably some cases where that is true, where you don't have a lot, but, but I think if we're talking about this kind of industry, software development, um, you do have a lot more agency than you think. And and your skills, you know, congratulations, you've chosen an industry that's really popular and really in demand, and you have a lot of opportunity to um, to exercise those skills in a way that is lucrative for you. I like your use of the word pittance there. As we're recording this in early December, it gives kind of a nice Dickensian <laughs> tone to the conversation around job negotiations. Yeah. You're you're not Bob Cratchit. This is not the Christmas Carol. <laughs> right. You you can do okay for yourself. It's not please, sir. Can I have some more? It's not oh, that. It's, right. it's... <laughs> well, multi Dickensian references. Yeah, We're see? Just all Victorian all the time yep. here on America's uh, premier tech education podcast. So everything is negotiable, and I think, by the way, I think it might be a a good habit, maybe a fun habit, even to get into to just try negotiating stuff once in a while outside of the very high stakes world of uh, of job offer negotiation. Uh, just you know, like a go to the grocery store, maybe make an offer, get on Craigslist, find something that is listed for ten bucks, and say I'll give you eight. See what happens. You know, just to to get yourself into the mindset that not every dollar figure you see is written in stone and forever and immutable. Yeah, I, I mean, we we say all the time that, you know, to get better at programming, you should practice. And mm -hmm. I think the same thing is true get here, right? Anything else. To get better at negotiating, you should practice negotiating. So, and, and I think picking something that's got very low stakes, right? You find something on Craigslist yes. for $10 and say, I'll give you eight. You don't have a dog in that fight. Like if, if that doesn't right. if that doesn't work out, you're like, well, whatever, it's yeah, fine, right? Um, but uh, you know, negotiating a job is obviously a lot more important. So um, having having some low stakes practice, I think, is is a great idea. It's also important to try to lower the stakes with the job negotiation. And one of the ways you can do that is to increase the amount of time that you're allotted to respond to it. Ben, I think you mentioned you've been in situations where you kind of 
walked through the last door of the negotiation and suddenly an offer appeared, right? Yeah, I mean, I've been I've been I've been in job uh, interviews where, you know, it seems like it's going to be interview interviews over. I leave and then the negotiation happens kind of after the fact. Um, and I've also been in situations where um, and that has happened. Right. It's been a very like separate process. And then I've also been in ones where I wasn't necessarily expecting it. And I'm in the interview and I'm kind of in interview mode where I'm sort of trying to look, you know, try, trying to present sort of my best present self. Present yourself well. Yeah, yeah, present myself well, right, um, and answer these technical questions, and I'm kind of in this technical mode, and then we get to maybe the last stage of the interview where we talk to, you know, um, one of the, the higher people in the company, and they start saying things like, well, what's your number, and what do you need, and, and, and what do you think – you know, what do you think this, this job is worth and all these, and I, and suddenly I'm like, Oh, I guess we're negotiating now. And I have to kind of change gears, um, and, and think more in that mode. Uh, so one thing I can definitely tell you is you should expect that <laughs> I've, it's, it's caught me off guard enough times that I should know better by now. And, and, and I'm, I'm trying, you know, for the future, I'm trying to look for that. Um, but you should kind of expect that even if you are in an interview, um, and it feels very technical, um, at some point, they might throw some "what's your number" questions at you, um, and you should be ready for that kind of thing. Uh, but yeah, I think if you can't, first of all, like Brian said before, don't give them a number if you don't have to, um, because it's in, basic negotiation tactics are you always want the other side to sort of reveal their cards first, and so they're going to try and hit you with "what's your number," right? They're going to try and get you to reveal your cards, um, and you want to do what you can to sort of flip that around and see if you can get them to reveal theirs. Um, because like you said, if, if you say your number and they're like, great, that's fantastic. When can you start? <laughs> right. Then you've made a huge, mistake. you've made a huge mistake. <laughs> so, um, you don't want to do that if you don't have to, uh, ideally these things are separate events, right? The interview is one thing that gets them a ch- chance to learn more about you and your skills. It gets you a chance to learn more about them and their, what they have to offer. And then you both can kind of leave and some time can elapse a little bit of time, maybe a day or two. And you can kind of let that marinate in your head and realize okay do i really want to work for this place or not before you go into this mode of okay i want the job now let's now we start the process of figuring out how to get it and to get a fair price um but that isn't always the case sometimes you end up in a scenario where you're you know it's all at one at all at once you're doing everything um all in the same event have you had that as well where they kind of hit you immediately or has yours been more kind of a delayed thing I think mine have always been more of a delayed thing. Uh, the only slight exception I can think of is I think I've had uh, recruiter conversations where fairly early <laughs> right. on they'll say, what well, What do you want to get paid? It's like question two. <laughs> yeah, but then I know what's going on and it feels a lot lower stake at that point because it's not a matter of, I'm not negotiating really. It's just someone trying to find out that number to go out and uh, compare what I'm asking for with what other people are offering and try to make a match happen. So for you, it's been interview. Thanks very much for coming in. We'll be contacting you. You leave or you get off the phone and then a day or two later. A little bit later, here's an email. Right. uh, Ideally an email, sometimes phone call. I prefer to, to be able to read and either dance a jig or (laughs) swear under my breath depending on what the number is right in the privacy of your own home without in the privacy yeah uh yeah so i I think it's it's all a matter of just trying to do what you can during this process to sort of read 
the room as best you can. And, and if you see it coming, just be prepared for it. Um, and, and like we said, make sure that you can, that if you, that if you can try not to reveal your information. Um, and that includes both the, the amount of money you would like to make from this job. Um, obviously that has to come out eventually. So you will be revealing that number, but, but ideally you want them to reveal theirs first if, if possible. Um, and something that I would advise you basically never to do is don't ever tell a recruiter, a, uh, an employer, really anyone that's part of this process, don't tell them how much you currently make. Correct. Because it is irrelevant. If you think, yes, if you is. think about this logically, they're going to hire you for job X and maybe this job is similar to the job that you already have. Maybe it's not. Um, and the, the market forces at work here to try and hire for this position really have nothing to do with the job that you are currently doing or that you have done in the past because that was a different company and that was, it was different work. It was a different job. So it doesn't really make any sense to say, oh, well, I paid $10 for these, you know, this item that I bought at Walmart last week. And now I'm at I'm at Target and I'm in a completely different section of the of the store and I'm buying something different. Well, how much did you pay before? It doesn't matter. They're not they're not related. It's not relevant. But the thing is, they're always going to try and ask you for this information because apparently it seems relevant to them. Um, so what I have done in the past is basically say that I essentially in a in a polite and professional way, say what I just said. Right. That basically this job has its own set of parameters and it has a market value. And my previous work is not relevant to the discussion. And then just try and move on. I might throw in a a hand wavy nebulous answer like, oh, I I think I'm being paid market rate at my current position. Yeah, that's actually that's I love that. That's a great deflection because you can you can uh, sort of semi reveal it without actually giving them a number, and it makes it a little right. bit squishy, um, which is mm -hmm. good uh, because what you don't want to do is give them I make X dollars currently because then as soon as you do that you've created a target in their brain for them to hit and if they're if they're terrible they're going to offer you the same amount <laughs> and if they're <laughs> and if they're halfway decent they're going to offer you slightly more right because that way it'll look like a step up to you when in fact they were willing to spend twenty thousand dollars more let's say and they and now that they know how much you make let's say you make 50 grand right or whatever um and and so you tell them that and, th and they would have paid 70 but now like we'll give you 55 and then to you it looks like oh great i'm gonna make a five thousand dollar raise this is fantastic i'm gonna change jobs when they would have given you 70. so you know and you're never gonna know exactly what they would have given you that's not typically something that ever comes out um but if you give them this this number, as soon as you give them a number, you've created a target in their brain. And so whether that's telling them how much you currently make or telling them even if they ask you how much do you need to make or how much do you want or whatever, um, if you tell them any number, you've created a target. And either that target is low and they're like they're inside their head, they're dancing a jig saying, yes, we're going to get this guy for nothing, right? Or if you tell them a number that's crazy high, you also are setting, they're like, oh, this guy's way too expensive. We're, you know, basically, yeah, you know, we're going to fake smile at them and say, have a nice day and then never talk to them again because the number is just way too high. Um, so you, you really, if you can, don't want to give them any opportunity to set a target in their brain. One way I guess you could get around that would be to give them a number in unfamiliar units <laughs> and, and then try to gauge their emotional reaction. Like my my current salary, well, it's uh, three thousand five hundred per fortnight. 
and then no one has any idea what this what the you say 3500 and maybe they immediately think per month and their eyes light up and then you know aha so you would have been very happy with quick what's the math on that 3500 times 12 42000 dollars <laughs> yeah I have my own calculator app <laughs> <laughs> You might say, ah, so now I know. Right. But per fortnight, that puts a completely different spin. Actually, I would never do that. Even though it's actually 84 because you told them that it was per fortnight. Per, for, per fortnight, right. yes. For those unfamiliar, fortnight is two weeks. Yes. Uh, yeah, I thought you were going to say that you were going to use some uh, like fake currency amount from some TV show or something. Uh, right. <laughs> I require six bars of gold-pressed latinum every three there weeks. There you go. <laughs> we have not had enough Star Trek references on this podcast. No, not nearly enough. Getting pushed out of the tech space. <laughs> Something I've had some success with, I don't know if you've ever tried this, but to just swing for the fences and give an absolutely exorbitant number. I've done that. Yeah. And then and then How is it... the immediate response is always like either just oh, no, 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 exasperated no. silence or yeah, no, 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 no <laughs> or. I actually did that at uh, what we continually refer to as our favorite job at the Iron Yard, which I thought it was kind of a rare opportunity because uh, of the nature of the organization. It was the staff was at the time almost entirely instructors, and so the the revenue model was very clear. You know, you you have students and they pay tuition, and then the tuition goes to the company, and the company can use that for salaries and one or two other things. And so the the flow of money seemed very clear. And during the interview process, the company was very clear about uh, how many students and how many classes an instructor would be expected to teach. And so it was the work of a moment to say, based on that, here's how much revenue for the company I, as an instructor, will be generating if we hit our numbers. And then based on that, if I take a reasonable size chunk of that money, then my salary will be X. And X turned out to be a ludicrously large number, especially considering that we never, ever, not once hit those numbers in terms of how many supposed to come in. But I, I just presented that math to the guy who was interviewing me and said I laid it all out. And based on all this, I think that my compensation ought to be this number. And that was not the end of things. He came back and said, oh, there are other factors at play and forces (laughs) at work and stuff. And so we will instead offer you this number. And at that point, I just buckled because it it looked like the greatest job I was ever going to have. And it was a significant increase from what I had been making before. But it was like slightly under half of what I had initially (laughs) come in for. Right. Well, it turns out there's other expenses, things like, you know, rent for the space and all kinds we of We are other... going to be hiring other people than yeah, just uh, you, right. you three. It is not it is not a company of four people. Um, right. Yeah. And by the way, 15 students three times a year turns out to be uh, six students maybe twice a year. So, which is why we are no longer with the Iron Yard. Um, yeah. So, but the, but the, the lesson there, I think, is that you don't have to necessarily, you know, lowball yourself, right? You can you can swing for the fences and see what happens. Um, I mean, because this is a, again, this is a negotiation. It is not a here, give your final offer, and we will either accept or reject it as a company, right? Uh, it's a negotiation, so it's back and forth. You 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 can expect back and forth. Go that, a few times. Yeah, that you will give a number, or they will give a number, and then you will counter, and then they will counter back, and it will just go back and forth a few times before you kind of settle on 
uh, an actual you know amount and this is this is and this is free market commerce. This is how this is supposed to work, right? You you have this set of services and skills that you are offering and you think it's worth so much and then they have an impression of how much they want to pay for that and then you go back and forth and you come to a conclusion that you both voluntarily agree to that this is a, this is an appropriate exchange of yes. skills for money. That's exactly how it is supposed to work. And sometimes it, it doesn't always work. Yeah, but, but yeah, sometimes it, it does work that way and I think the way to make it work that way more often is for the workforce, right? For us as, as, um, potential employees, as potential employees to engage in this as much as possible. Um, and to make sure that it's clear to employers that this is how it's supposed to work. And this is how I expect it to work. Um, and you know, we're going to have this dance, right? We're going to, we're going to go back and forth and figure out what is the best deal. Um, so the kind of, I think, to, to tack onto that or to, to segue into our next idea here is that you should treat this as a game, right? This is, this is a negotiation process. It's two-sided. It's, it's, it's multiple steps. Um, and it is something that you can, like we said, practice. Um, and you can also learn sort of the rules of and then use those rules to your advantage. Yeah, look for little opportunities as you're going through life or make them up, you know, find places where you can, where you're exchanging money with somebody for services and um, play around with it. Try to offer less money, try to get more for the money you offer, try to get more money for what you offer in all kinds of different circumstances. And sometimes it'll work and sometimes it won't, but sometimes it'll work. Um, the, another thing that I can tell you for sure to not do is <laughs> because I've done it and it doesn't usually work out is to not offer a range. So when they, if they're really pressing on you and they're really trying to get a number out of you and you kind of are forced to give one, one thing I can tell you is do not give out a range of, of prices basically, because again, you're setting a target in their brain. And if you give them a range, then unless they're really, really nice and generous, they're basically going to say, okay, well, the bottom of the range is the number that I'm going to, I'm going to use as my target. <laughs> right. So it just, you're thinking, well, I'll give them, you know, I, I don't feel great about this. Like I, as far as, you know, what I'm offering, I feel a little bit, maybe, um, I don't know. I just don't feel great about my, my services essentially. Uh, and so I'm going to give you a range and that way you can kind of pick, I give you a menu of options and you can pick from these what you think is best. But again, all you're doing is setting a target in their brain of the price that they're that that they think, you know, that 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 you've said that you'll accept. And if and if you give them a low number and a high number, they're more often than not just going to pick the low number and then that's it. So what is much better is to actually just pick a number that you're yes. happy with. The range is a it's a strange concept that I can't think of any other place in exchanges of money for stuff that price ranges are given f for a particular thing. And it, it makes me wonder if it would be possible to translate the sort of situation where price ranges do come up, which is when you're buying things at different levels. You know, you find that there are a lot of software services where it'll be for $10 a month, you'll get this much, but for $15 a month, you'll get the expanded. And then for $50 a month, you get the luxury. I wonder if you could treat the price range like that for the salary and say, <laughs> right. well, for, you know, for $50,000 a year, 
I'll put in my 40 hours, but I'm going to take some long lunches and I'm not going to contribute any original ideas. But for right. $58,000 right. a year, I'm going to be an active member of the team. <laughs> and for yeah. 65, you get deluxe me. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll be a real go-getter and, and be a great person to have around. That one has like a gold ribbon and it's like real yeah. fancy. Yeah. yeah. I yeah. offer after hours support. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that and that when you when you say it like that, when you explain it that way, it it makes it so obvious, even sillier. Like how <laughs> silly it is, right? And I've done it. I've literally done it. I've given I've given ranges because again, I just I just I'm always so unprepared for this for some reason. I mean, I'm, I'm yeah. sitting on a podcast. It always sneaks up on you. Literally getting advice about how to do this properly, but I can tell you that in the past, and you know, even even now, I always just feel very unprepared for this portion of the process because. Like we've said, I don't practice that often, right? This this negotiating thing is just not something that is part of my daily life. Um, and so, and I'm a very logical, data-driven person. So I feel like when they're saying, hey, give me your number and how much is this job worth? And, you know, you've just been sort of bombarded with all these details about the job and not given any time to process it. Now, we want you to boil that, all that down and give us a number. And I'm just like, uh, I, I, maybe I think it's worth, you know, like I just feel really unprepared for it. So... Um, there again is something you could negotiate, right? Say, yeah. listen, I was very focused on this other part of the interview and I don't think I'm prepared right now to have the conversation that will lead to both of us being happy. So could we have this part of the discussion around the offer happen at a later time? Yeah. I mean, that, that's the thing is when we said everything's negotiable, we really mean it, including when to negotiate that's that, right. that is also a negotiable yes. topic. Um, but yeah, so because of all that stuff, I, I get sort of under pressure and i feel like uh well how about how about this and i just kind of give this range to try and cover my bases but then like i said all you're doing is just giving them an opportunity to pay you less so i would say if you're ready to give them a number and you're kind of pressed to do so give it to them however under every other circumstance uh do what you can to just delay that right like like brian just said just say listen you know i've been very focused on on um on doing well on the on the technical portion of this um, this interview and making sure that I present myself, uh, you know, fairly and and that I show my skills and I'm just not really ready. You know, I haven't digested all of this information and I'm not really ready to give you my number um, because I haven't done enough research yet to figure that out. So let's let's wait on that a couple of days or whatever. I think that is that's a much better outcome than feeling pressured and then saying, okay, fine, I'll just give you this range of numbers that I think are halfway reasonable. Um, and then you're just gonna pick the lowest one and offer me that. Right. So the, the one solution to the range problem that comes to mind is to say, I have a number in mind and guess what? That's now the bottom end of the range that I'm going to give you. And if you would like to give me more than that, I will in invent another number for the, the top end of the range. But to, to Ben's point about pushing back on negotiating when to negotiate, when you're at that point, the company wants to make you an offer, which means they want you. They want you to be happy. So don't feel like it's a giant imposition on them to ask for a little bit more time. If anything, I think there's the potential at least that uh, you're going to rise in their estimation because you're somebody who has a sense of your own worth and you're... You're not so desperate as to say, oh, yes, well, if you want to talk about it now, I'll talk about it now. And when you say a number, I will agree to the number. And we've talked before about the idea that um, 
like in dating and in anything else where you're dealing with another person, um, conveying the sense that you don't really need it makes you more desirable, whatever it is. So if you can give them the impression that, eh, I know you would like to negotiate now, but I'd rather not, so we're not gonna. At some level, when you kind of talk through in your own head what that sounds like, you, you feel like you're really pushing them and imposing on them and they're not going to like it. But if you kind of imagine it from the other side of the table, I think someone who does that comes across as just a reasonable person who's making a, a request and kind of standing up for themselves and you respect and admire that a lot of the time. Yeah, I think it's important to be confident in your own self-worth without being yeah. arrogant, right? Because you right. can, that, what Brian just described, can either come off as, wow, this person is, you know, knowledgeable and skilled and confident and, and wants to carefully consider everything, and that's fantastic. We definitely want him to work here, so we're totally going to give him an extra day. Or you could come off as an entitled, pompous, you know, arrogant person who, you know, thinks that they're worth a million dollars and, and you know, just doesn't want to deal with it right now. So it's, and it's kind of a fine line. You can, it's easy to, to step over that line and become, come off as arrogant. So what I would suggest that you do is obviously, like with everything else, be very professional about whatever you're saying mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. and, and respectful and courteous. Um, uh, and with, but be, um, what am I trying to say? Be, uh, not forceful, but, but just assertive. Ass there we go. Polite, assertive. polite, but assertive, polite, but assertive. That's perfect. Yeah. So be polite, but assertive. Um, and, and I think the best thing to, to do there is really to explain just yes. slightly your thought process. So say, mm -hmm. literally say, uh, you know, there's been a lot of information that's been, you know, sent my way today. And, and I, you know, I got a, I got an office tour and I really got a lot of information about how this company works and what the role is going to be. I now need to sort of digest that information and compare it with, you know, market forces and, and really give you a, a, a very knowledgeable and informed number so that, that the, that I'm really assessing the true market value of this position um, so that everyone is getting a fair deal. And I'm just not prepared to do that right now. I'm going to need a day or two to kind of work that out. And if you do it that way, you're, it's, it's clear that it's not just, I don't want to, right? Right. It's, no, there's there's work that I need to do to be able to come up with a fair assessment here. And so that's why I'm asking for this extra time. And I think that's the difference between I just don't want to <laughs> and, and there is a clear reason for my delay. Right. And I, I think that's a, a great point that if you just respond to what they want with, no, I want a different thing, then that looks combative and like there's a clash of wills and the other person is just going to sort of want to win. But if you can say, there are reasons why I want to do things a different way and here are my reasons, then it's a lot easier to get the other person to understand where you're coming from and to think, you know, I've, I've been through the interview process myself and it is kind of a lot to take in all on one day. And yeah, it probably would be better if I can understand why he'd want to move that uh, back a little bit. And so it's easier to, to 
get that sort of reconciliation instead of having one person beating another. Right. It's like if you're pair programming and, and you're doing something and, and the pers- other person wants you to change the syntax or the the flow of the code that you're writing, and then you ask them, you know, well, what what's what's the reason for that? And they just say, I like this way better, right? That just it doesn't come off as, oh, you're trying to improve the process. It's just like you just have a style that you just like better because it's looks better or whatever and that just seems kind of silly whereas if they're like oh well i do it this way because and then they explain i think knr bracing is better than almond bracing for these reasons you may or may not agree with them but at least you can respect their process and the same thing is true here they may or may not love the fact that they want you that you want them you want to delay this process by a day or two but if you explain the reasons why at least you are you know hopefully they can respect you for the process that you're engaging in rather than just, I don't want to. And also, I, I think by giving reasons, you can suggest the idea that it's going to come out better for them. I mean, yeah. Clearly, the reason that you want the extra time is so that you can formulate a better um, better rationale for why you should get as much as you possibly can out of the deal. But you can sort of pitch it as, if I have time, I need time to think about it so that I can be really committed to the the position I come down on and kind of suggest that you're minimizing the danger that you end up unhappy with the deal because nobody wants to have an unhappy, unsatisfied employee who could potentially leave pretty soon after starting. Yeah, I think that's, a, that's great. That's a great piece of advice that, you know, uh, ultimately you want to spin it in a way where you're saying my happiness is everyone's happiness, right? In general. I mean, again, that can come off as very pompous if you're not careful. Yeah, well, yeah don't phrase it exactly <laughs> that way. <laughs> no, but that's kind of the sentiment. I, you shouldn't say that, but that's kind of the sentiment you want to leave, right? Which is which is basically if I'm happy with the deal, I'm much less likely to leave and then that is good for everyone because you're going to you're about to invest all this time and energy and money in me and if and if the deal's sour and I leave in a month, well, no one really is no one's really made out in that deal, right? The employee, the employer has to start all over again and they've kind of wasted this money and the employee then has this one month thing on their, you know, they kind of built up some steam and then they left and they have to start over as well. Um, so you really don't want that and nobody does. And so having a better, more informed decision about these things, like, like Brian said, will make you less likely to be wishy-washy about it. Like if you have that opportunity to really consider it, you can go, okay, actually, I don't want this job and you can just politely move on. Or if you do come to the conclusion that it's going to work and you have this thing that you, this package that you've created for yourself that you want to offer as here's what I need or here's what I want, um, you'll be much less likely to say, when if they say yes, then you'll be much more likely to say yes as well um, rather than be like, well, actually, the deal that I made for myself isn't that great, so eh, maybe I won't stick around uh, because you were forced to do it kind of quickly and without considering it. Right, with with no notice, the terms under which I agreed to spend the next portion of my working life turned out to be suboptimal. Who could have seen that coming? Yeah. Yeah. So I think anybody that has any sort of common sense would be able to see that it is a good idea to allow for that. And again, you just want to be very professional and very respectful of the process, but but also assertive that this is this is the this is part of the negotiation. I need this time to formulate a better um, a better deal. And one way that you can do that is to go online, and this is something I think a lot of people do not do, is go online and look up other jobs that are similar to this 
and try and figure out how much the job is just isn't worth to you, but is just worth to the market, right? How yeah. much will the market pay for X job? And you mm -hmm. have to take into account things like geography, because if you're looking Certainly. up, let's say, an iOS developer job at Orlando, Florida, compared to one in the Valley, right, in California, where every, all the tech companies are, and Apple is, those numbers are going to not be comparable because comparable at all because the forces there in play are are completely different right there's a different tax structure in california there's a different cost of living it literally costs more money to live in california than it does in florida so much more a lot more <laughs> uh, housing is more expensive housing is insanely expensive in california um so there there are just different things so if you look at a job that's worth 50k in orlando and you look at a job that's worth a hundred grand in California and you know in the valley Take perhaps the one in Orlando yeah, well yeah <laughs> still come out financially ahead <laughs> for one yeah you probably should take the one in Orlando but for two it seems like, well, they're paying that person double to do the same job. What's up with that? But then what you want to do is you want to compare, oh, well, but it costs more money to buy bananas and it costs more money to, to, to put gas in my car and it costs more money to have a house. And, and suddenly the purchasing power that you have with that money is a lot less. And so it, it, you realize, oh, actually, it's the same amount of purchasing power, even though it's a different amount of money. Um, so you do want to put, you know, take geography into account. Um, but you really you also want to look at you know how in demand is my job as an iOS developer versus a Ruby developer versus a JavaScript developer versus whatever they all have kind of different going rates because there's a different amount of people doing them there's a different amount of jobs available that that need that kind of work um, so one thing you can use is a site called Glassdoor I don't know Brian if you've ever been on Glassdoor before but yeah I've looked on there it's pretty great it's a it's a way for basically people to kind of write into this website and explain uh, kind of give reviews about their time at a particular company so you can that's really great you can look up reviews and see if you know see if they ha if the company has any reviews and read them and decide okay is this does this sound like a cool place to work do these reviews kind of jive with what i saw in the interview because like we said in the interview episode sometimes the company just like you can be sort of presenting their best self in the interview and it looks rosier in that process than it actually would be, you know, when you really get there and you sit down and you actually go to do your, your job. So comparing that with some reviews can be handy. But the other thing that they do is they offer the user the ability to kind of report on their salary anonymously. And so then you can find out how much is this company actually paying. So you can you can see, you know, again, it may they may or may not have any on here because it's a user submitted site so there just may not be any any data for that but if there is you have that opportunity to see how much they have paid in the past and see kind of compare that to the offer they're giving you and you can look up other positions that are similar to yours at other companies in the area and get an idea of well how how much is this job generally worth in this particular market kind of like if you were looking up a house and you wanted to see you know what they call comps right like other houses in the area that have sold how much have they sold for that are maybe a similar size and a similar, you know, number of bedrooms and stuff that gives you an idea of like, is this a good deal or not? And the same thing can be done with a job. And of course, uh, I'm sure a lot of our audience is in Orlando because we're in Orlando. The Orlando Developers uh, Meetup Group has an annual salary survey that is very well done and provides a lot of industry-specific information around uh, what not only what languages, but what frameworks and how many years of experience and how big is your company and a lot of um, different kind of variables that can impact salaries and provides that to people every year. Um, 
by the time this episode goes out, I think the survey will be closed, but they'll be doing analysis of the data and they generally release it, I want to say February or March. Yeah, I think so. And there are several years worth of, or at least a couple years worth of that data at this point. So if you Google around, we can put it in the show notes, um, previous years of salary survey. If you're in Orlando or if you're in a, a city that you think is a similar cost of living and similarly sized tech sector as Orlando, I think that's a, a really great resource. And there are actually even websites that you can go to that basically use publicly available data to do cost of living comparisons. So you can, for example, mm -hmm. say, I live in Orlando and I want to move to Boulder, Colorado, for example. Mm -hmm. And you can say, I make this much money in Orlando. And then what it will do is it'll say, okay, to make this, to have the same amount of purchasing power right. in right. Boulder. To support me in the lifestyle to which I've become accustomed. Right. You need, need to, to make, make this amount of money. And so you can compare, basically, if that number is higher, then that means that that, that city that you want to go to is uh, has a higher cost of living. And if it's lower, then it's the reverse, of course. Um, and it's actually, if you basically, if you don't live in California and you and you try this, you will be shocked by how much money you would be, you would have to make in order to live in California at the same sort of level that you come you become accustomed to. Um, but that's a really good thing if you are, especially if you are going to like leave where you live and go move to a different area to get a job. That's a great thing to do is to check on that first. Ideally, some of this stuff you want to do before you even go in for your interview. So things like cost of living differences, um, trying to find comparable jobs and getting sort of a, a general idea of how much that particular geographic market um, pays for a particular job. If you have some of this data in your head or even written down before you go on the interview, that will actually help when maybe they spring the negotiation on you during the interview. You might feel like, well, normally I wouldn't be prepared for this um, and I'd have to delay. But if you have this data ahead of time, you might say, oh, well, it turns out I can actually do this now and you can jump in and, and negotiate. And something that I found to be really, really helpful is the companies will often ask you, what's your number? How much do you need? How much do you want? What is the job worth to you? Right? That's kind of how they phrase that. And what, what I always try and do is I always make it not about me, but I make it about this is how much this job is worth. This is how much the market is willing to pay for this job. Because if you do it that way, it's not... I, as a person, am greedy and want this much money, <laughs> or I think that I'm the greatest developer that's ever lived, and I think I deserve this much, because that's a very it's very subjective, right? To them, it's going to look like he's just picking that number because he's just kind of picking it out of the air, and it's very subjective. Whereas if you back it up with, this is how much this job is worth in this market, I've done research, and this is the going rate for this kind of position, um, you... You it the, the, you're armed with a lot more kind of backup, right? Where basically you're like, it's not me saying this, it's the industry, it's the market, it's anybody that you hire that that fills this position is gonna, you're going to have to pay around this much because this is how much it's worth. And unless people are just coming in completely ill-informed and accepting a lot less, which is what we're trying to do here, is tell you not to do that, right? Don't be that person. Don't come in ill-informed. Go in in, in an informed way um, and. Basically, if you want someone that's good, you're going to have to pay around this much because that's how much the market will bear. Um, and that gives them a lot less wiggle room to just sort of summarily pick a much lower number and say, well, take it or leave it. Because, again, it's not subjective. It's objective, right? You're saying this is how much this job is worth. And so things like Glassdoor and um, cost of living comparison sites and all that kind of stuff will give you more information and more data to make that case in a more convincing way. 
So let's say that you maybe don't get the best deal, right? We're, we're giving you all this advice about how to get the best deal. But let's say, especially if it's your first job or maybe your second job in the industry um, and you, you don't have a ton of experience and you kind of feel like you're coming at it from a bit of a disadvantage because you're new to this this whole industry. Um, let's say maybe the deal that you get is not the best you've ever seen, um, but due to the forces at work, you decide that you're going to take that job. Maybe maybe you decide, first thing that I would say is don't um, feel like I have to just accept this job and that's it. There are always options. Um, but even if you decide to take the job and you're not a huge fan, um, one thing you can do is set a, set a, a time limit for yourself and say, I'm going to work this job for six months or one year, and then I'm, I, independent of whatever else the company wants, I am going to reassess my position and role at this company and whether or not I want to continue working at this company. Um, and you don't have to tell them that. You can just say that in your own head, internally. right, internally, yeah. and just say, I'm just going to do this for myself. Because the thing that that does for you is it it makes the proposition of potentially working somewhere that's not the best feel better. Because you have that end date in your head. Um, one way that you can kind of roll that into having the company be involved in that process is to, is to actually negotiate during this process that you want a guaranteed review of your performance at X date in the future. Which should be sooner than a year. Right. Regardless of whatever they want to do, whatever their review schedule is, which increasingly has become zero. Like they don't give reviews at all. So, so something that you can do is you can say, I want, let's say, a negotiation, a, a renegotiation and, and a, a review at six months because I feel like I'm going to grow a lot and, and, and I already feel like, I, like this job's a little bit undervalued. So I understand that you as a company kind of want me to prove myself, but I feel like six months is an appropriate amount of time to, to sort of get that ball rolling. And then we can have a discussion about, um, you know, where my future is going to be. Yeah, I I used to think that pushing for a ninety day review was good because it it's so quick and it it lets you feel like you're not locked to anything for very long. But um, more and more, I feel like as complicated as the job is and it, you know, the size of code bases people are getting into and so on, that you're just not going to start to feel productive for a few months anyway, and you don't want to come into the review saying, "Well, I'm." finally at the point where I'm earning the salary that we agreed to before. So I guess we'll just keep it there. But if you, if you say six months, then you have that three month learning curve, which I, th I think is reasonable before you feel like you really have your, your feet underneath you in the job. And then three months where you can really demonstrate that you're worth more than you would agreed to so that you have a much stronger negotiating position at the six month to say, look at the past few months. Once I have things figured out, I'm really doing a lot and I'm really contributing a lot and I'm worth more. And and you want to not just have them say, yeah, 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 sure. You want them to like pick a date, right? Yes. Let's look at the calendar That's right true. now. Let's pick a date, mm -hmm. put it in your calendar. I'm going to put it in mine and don't worry if you don't, if you don't come to me, yeah. I will remind you. I will right? tell you. Um, because you want to make sure that it's real because there's, it's, it's very common for them to be like, yeah, yeah, sure. And then, right. and then, oh, we got busy and we just forgot and <laughs> whatever. Right. And that's, that's what has happened to me before. Um, so don't let that happen to you. Make sure that if you are p making this part of your total compensation package, which is, you know, one of the terms of this basically is that I get a review at six months. We want to make it clear that that's a real thing and it's going to happen. And if it doesn't happen, then that gives you more insight into 
kind of how you want to move forward or not with this company, right? If they if they agree to something and then they don't do it, that's something that you need to sort of, you know, figure out for yourself in your, it's sort of the giant pro-con list of the company in your head that you have kind of ongoing. That's definitely, to me, that's definitely a con. And then you kind of have to say, okay, well now are the cons starting to outweigh the pros? Like, do I need to start looking for a new job or, or how are we going to proceed? All right. I think that wraps up not only the episode, but the series on getting your first job. And I hope uh, 2019 turns out to be a great year for people entering the industry. And I hope this advice uh, proves useful and valuable. And if it does, maybe you can uh, drop us a line and let us know. How could people get in touch with us, Ben? So there's basically two ways. Uh, you can visit our website, mvc.fm, where we have all the information about episodes, show notes. So any of the links that we talked about today will be um, on that website. Uh, you can listen right on the, the web, right, on the, right in the player, to any episode we posted already. And you can also, importantly, get information about subscribing to our podcast. And then if you'd like to give us feedback, um, MVC, at MVC Podcast is the best way to do that. We are on Twitter. So just check us out there. Okay. Thanks, everybody. Thank you.